Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. By Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused. With more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. You'll be at the top of the city as you experience Asheville's history and scenic beauty, historic landmarks, and award-winning rooftop bars. Transportation is provided with tours offered daily, year-round. Find out more at AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. By RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. This is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, on the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, iTunes, Spotify. Speaking of Travel is on pretty much all podcast platforms today. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news and helpful tips and travel stories from fellow travel lovers who share their travel knowledge gained from all the places they've visited. Well, my good friend Patrick Fitzsimmons has some incredible stories that really sum up the unexpected twist in the year 2020. Patrick, welcome again to Speaking of Travel. No, thank you. Glad to be here. So, Patrick, we had you on the show. It was it was a little while ago. Uh, you had just returned from a trip of a lifetime to Patagonia mm-hmm. and certainly added some challenge and excitement to your life, but really nothing compared to what was to be an even more challenging and exciting chapter of your life. Give us a little backstory on what happened after that giant trip to Patagonia. Uh, well, it's interesting that you call it a giant trip, Marilyn, because actually Patagonia uh, means uh, giant feet. Um, so that, that hence the name Patagonia. And it was believed that the Spanish named that to uh, scare off other explorers, thinking there were giants there. But anyway, I did not, I did not see any giants there. But uh, there has been a giant step, please excuse the pun, uh, since then, uh, because in this last year, I'm at that magical age where I'm trying to figure out, uh, do I want to retire? What does it mean to retire and move into a different, a different life? Um, you know, I, I probably like you and many of your listeners have I've been working full time my whole life. And so now I decided at the beginning of this year, 2020, to not work full time anymore. I don't say I've retired. I'm not sure exactly what that means. 
but I decided not to work full time anymore. So I ended my full time employment at the beginning of the year and had a couple of uh, interesting travel experiences before the dreaded virus has interrupted everything as it has for everyone. So so when you started thinking about uh, cutting back, you had a big position. Uh, you're a community leader. You you have changed your, I don't want to say you changed your career, but you've been in big organizations where you have come in to help them at critical times, kind of pivot the word today. That's been something you've been used to doing pretty much your entire career. So as you started to think about, all right, well, I'm, I'm coming into that home stretch. I'm really starting to plan, look at what's ahead. Give us an idea of, you know, kind of go backwards in time to when you made that decision and then start moving forward in time to, to what your end goal was. <clears throat> You're right, Marilyn, that um, I've had experiences in my professional life of, um, oh, being a change agent, if you will, at organizations. And look in the last organization I was in, which was a great organization where I felt that we were really having a, a social impact with the work we did. We were empowering entrepreneurs through education and lending to open up their own business and to strengthen an, an entrepreneur-driven local economy. Uh, so it was very exciting. And so when uh, I'd been there for six years, and luckily we had gone from challenging times to a, a pretty uh, a, a pretty secure time. So. In a weird way, it's like if, it, if I wasn't being challenged, if my life wasn't in danger professionally, it's like I wasn't being uh, fed. And so obviously I got into a place where I thought I could make an exit knowing that the organization was in good hands, in good shape. And it was not, not time for me to, to, to do something different, have a new challenge or a new adventure. So I started planning this exit more than six months in advance with my board of directors. So, uh, so I had time to really transition and luckily, the person who's going to replace me as a director there was on staff, so I had time to, uh, you know, spend six months mentoring him, or as I like to refer to it, tormenting him. So he was well prepared. But over that time, it also meant that as I continued to torment him more and give him more responsibility, it also meant that I was doing less. So by the time I left the organization, my the uh, my involvement was much less than it had been for the previous five or six years. So so I so I, I kind of weaned off of full-time employment, if you will. So I started the new year um, without a job, which is which is a new and experience in itself. And for many of your professional listeners will be kind of shocking if you're, you know, you really become really tied to your job and your identity is made up very much of what your professional life is. And then all of a sudden January 1 and you don't have a job, you don't have a paycheck, you also don't have an identity. So it's a little shocking. Uh, and we all think, oh, that'd be so exciting. And in one way, it is exciting, but it's also pretty damn scary. <laughs> so January was scary. So I did the smart thing. I got the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> so I didn't have to think about it too much. So. Well, not only did you get out of Dodge, but you went on this incredible journey that the way I always think of that trip that you took as a really a, a journey in in finding yourself by finding, you know, the root of existence almost. Tell us about why you chose where you went. Well, uh, we went to um, Ecuador and the Galapagos for a month. And I say we because we started planning this trip months in advance. And it was all part of my plan to end my uh, full-time employment and then uh, follow that with a month um, going to another country. 
So I planted with a few old friends actually who were with me for that first month. So, and that was a good thing to do. So that first month was a real transition month for me, but I wasn't like alone doing it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, adventure and excitement in traveling alone. But since I was in a real state of transition, it was probably well that people around me, I think. And much I had a group of people who I knew pretty well uh, to do that transition month with. <clears throat> we chose Ecuador because um, we'd heard really positive things about it. And we also heard that it was a great place for expats to live. And, you know, one of the things we're looking at was like, well, if things get really even worse in the U.S., we had to escape. We can be checking this place out as a possibility, uh, as well as having a good time while we're there. And I was really interested in the culture because, you know, Ecuador, even though a very small country geographically, is very different, uh, has very different cultures. So we stayed in four different places, about a week each. And we were one month, we were up in the mountains in the, uh, uh, staying at like a hacienda. Uh, we were a week down in the Amazon basin, staying in the jungle. We were a week in the Galapagos Islands and another week way high in the mountains at, at a bird sanctuary. So very different environments, very different cultures in each of those, each of those places. And, you know, I didn't think the Galapagos, I wasn't as excited about the Galapagos, although my, some of my friends were very driven by that experience, but it turned out to be pretty, pretty unique and amazing itself. So. And why was it so unique and amazing? Well, I, you know, we all know during the Galapagos being where Darwin went and all these wild animals that aren't afraid of humans and unusual animals. And there was that. Uh, so that was pretty, that was a unique, amazing experience. And, you know, we, we booked on a boat, it was a 14 passenger boat for a week. And if anyone ever decides to go to the Galapagos, I'd recommend doing a small boat like that because it's just a different experience. So it wasn't that there wasn't that many people, <clears throat> and we went we went island hopping from island to island. And of all those islands, they're all uninhabited islands. There are no humans except on the one island, the main island where the airport is. There was, you know, a couple of small towns there. The other islands were just inhabited only by wildlife. And it's true, the wildlife were not well, they were just not accustomed to humans, and they never been hunted, I guess. So you would walk up on these unusual animals, everything from big tortoises to uh, uh, a, a wild variety of birds, and they would not run away or fly away from you. You know, we we walked up on uh, one day, I remember this pair of albatrosses, which are these very large birds, and they were having a, I don't know exactly what was going on, but there was definitely some kind of social interaction between these two, um, these two very large birds. And we walk up and we sat down right beside them and they couldn't have cared less we were there. And they, we, we proceeded to watch them participate in obviously some social interaction. I'm not sure if it was a mating dance or what was going on, uh, but it was amazing to be sitting that close to wildlife, which normally we think of these birds would fly away. They wouldn't let us sit down beside them and hang out with them, you know. Uh, so it was a, it was a great um, nature adventure. In fact, uh, I think that was the, we had a couple of real nature adventures and a couple of culture adventures while in Ecuador. Well, when we come back, I want to hear more about those cultural interactions. I also I, I want to address what happened after you got back from this trip of a lifetime, really, mm -hmm. and how the next portion of your life took that unexpected twist. You seem to go with the punches, Patrick. You always have a way of, uh, of bouncing back. All right, well, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here talking with Patrick Fitzsimmons. He's got some incredible stories that, you know, like I said, sum up this year, 2020. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it keeps on going.
Hi, this is Kay. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we put you in the middle of experiencing Asheville like no one else can. With an expert guide by your side, you'll have an all-access pass to what makes Asheville so unique. Our sense of place, history, and awe, along with great food and drinks and spectacular views. We follow safety protocols on every tour. Come experience why TripAdvisor awarded our company the 2020 Traveler's Choice Award, placing us in the top 10% of attractions worldwide. To learn more about us and our award-winning tours, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with my good buddy, Patrick Fitzsimmons. Patrick and I have actually done some traveling ourselves. We went to Cuba together. That was quite an adventure, right? It was a great adventure. Yeah, it was we, a great travel companion, I must say. Thank you. We did some, some salsa dancing. That was very cool. So, Patrick, let's go back to the Galapagos. You you had that wonderful journey through the uh, through the islands on the boat, and you came back to Ecuador. Give us an idea of what it was like for you as as you were concluding that trip, knowing what was in store for you coming back. Well, it was um, it, it was a great escape. This tour was, you know, and I said we had an opportunity to really have great na- natural adventures in nature as well as culture adventures. <clears throat> but I knew when I came back that my world was going to be very different because I was no longer employed and I really had uh, no job lined up. I did have a very cool pro- uh, project lined up, though. Previously, I for many years worked for um, the Red Cross. And so I had lined up a project to work with the Red Cross in Vietnam. So I knew that I would have a little bit of time home and then I would be going for three months to Hanoi to work with the Vietnam Red Cross uh, on a big project with them. Uh, So that was one, an opportunity to really kind of use some of the job skills I gained over the years with an organization that um, was growing and expanding and needed help on figuring out how to do that. Um, But also to combine a great travel adventure in with some good... uh, volunteer work, if you will. So had you ever been someplace to work like that for three months? Well, no, not internationally. Now, in my experience with my job with the Red Cross, I did have experiences where I was on disaster relief experiences, in, but in different parts of the U.S. where I was gone for a prolonged period of time. But it was, you know, in New York after 9-11 or in New Orleans after Katrina. But this was my first international experience doing that. So it was a little, um, you know, it was exciting, but I was also had some trepidation because I was going to be by myself and I, I had no language skills and um, it was like he was going to be living with the tourists. Uh, so it was kind of exciting and he was going to be a little on your own a little bit. So it, there was a little uh, uh, excitement about that. Well, give us an idea of what it was like for you. You left the first of the year. 2020 to go to Ecuador and the Galapagos for a month and you had uh, these incredible adventures and uh, you were with friends so you you had the camaraderie of other people you came back home for really just a very short time a week a week to totally shift gears from the culture of Ecuador, your own home and culture, to the unknown. 
How did you feel yeah. when you got there? Well, I, I was, it, it was quite um, <clears throat> a turbulent kind of experience. And it was a weird landing in a place where you're by yourself and you don't know anyone, you don't know language. Uh, right after being on just the opposite kind of experience where you're with a group of old friends for a month and, uh, and feeling very, very safe and secure with, a, a, with a, uh, a trip that had been well planned out by our group for a long time. So we knew where it was going to be every night to one where I didn't know where the hell I was going to be living or staying or whatever. Uh, but luckily, I was working with some people who had taken care of all the important things. And it was it was a great cultural experience because for the first oh, at least month and a half, if not longer, I was working with um, Vietnamese uh, and, and being in an, I was not like in a touristy part of Hanoi, <clears throat> I had a little apartment. And so uh, I remember after about six weeks or so, I, one weekend, I decided to take a painting class just for something to do. And I had to go to this whole new part of the city I'd never been in before. It was the newer part of the city. And I remember I got there and it was where the ex, the part of the city where the expats live. And I got there and it was like, I'm walking around. It's like, wow, white people, what are they doing here? Because I had not seen a white person for six or seven weeks. But that was that was great. I was very immersed in 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 uh, in working with Vietnamese and spending all my time with the Vietnamese and really getting to know that culture a little bit. So that was very exciting, actually. It takes, you know, of course, it's a little, uh, oh, not shocking, but uh, new uh, when you're not familiar with that to be so immersed in a new culture, but it's also very rewarding. Well, when you talk about your experience with the Red Cross, the the emergency portion of that program, like you were saying, of disaster relief after 911 and Katrina, uh, so emergency was was definitely something that you had experienced with the Red Cross. Tell us about the emergency that uh, that unexpectedly emerged as you were working for that very organization. Well, unfortunately, the, the dreaded virus crept into that experience as well because the whole um, coronavirus thing started happening while I was there and proceeded very, and, and then proceeded very quickly. It was very interesting to watch um, a country like Vietnam, which has been highly successful at containing the virus. But um, it's also a culture that is uh, somewhat totalitarian. So um, the good news is they were able to contain the virus. And I don't think they've had any deaths from, uh, from COVID there, which is amazing. Uh, the downside is one morning I was uh, going, going to work and I saw these trucks roll in and they blocked off all the streets and uh, they blocked off this neighborhood because they had found COVID positive uh, a couple there. Uh, it was a couple that were COVID positive. And so they blocked off the neighborhood. No one could get in. No one could get out. They were fumigating the place. So they were very aggressive. But it was also the people who were not at home. Too bad. You were just out for like two weeks. And you had to go find go find another place to stay and take care of yourself. So um, from our culture, that would have been, you know, probably unacceptable. But the, other, the, the flip side is it was very effective. So that was um, interesting. And then and then as it, as it, as it progressed, First, the U.S. Embassy advised us that we needed that Americans need to go home. And at first I didn't because, quite frankly, it was more dangerous here than it was there. Uh, but then they decided to cancel international flights. I thought, well, I should probably catch a flight home while I can. So I did have to leave a little bit early because of the virus, uh, which is unfortunate. But it was also interesting while there, the, the, the population in general was just much more uh, responsive to uh, what you had to do because of the virus. For example, wearing masks. Now, this is like in March. <clears throat> Everyone was wearing a mask. And I can remember being 
literally chased out of a business one time because one, I was a foreigner and they all perceived foreigners were carrying the virus. And I definitely looked like, I don't, I don't look Vietnamese at all. Uh, so when I was a foreigner, I didn't have a mask on, which was practically a crime over there. Now compare that to how we're, how we're uh, dealing with the virus here in our country, where people are fighting about having to wear a silly mask. So they were very uh, responsive to doing what they had to do. Um, and then I had to leave the country. And I got to tell you, it was the most interesting travel experience because so I'm coming back during the um, real onslaught of, of, of coronavirus. So I went through like six airports um, on the way home. All flights were being canceled and redirected everywhere. Uh, the, we flew across the Pacific on a plane where I literally had the back third of this huge airplane by myself. It was a very weird experience. It was almost eerie being in these huge airports practically alone. So it was a very COVID kind of experience. <laughs> well, you have certainly summed up 2020 in your adventures, Patrick. Yes, let's hope it ends soon. Let's hope it does. So what do you have on your radar? Are you just kind of staying put? I think I can, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that I got some great travel experiences in at the very beginning of 2020 because the rest of the year has proven to be just the opposite, where I have been at home uh, longer and more often than I have been in, in years. I've really learned about my house a lot, as I'm sure everyone has. And, um, and, and so I'm getting real extremes of experience, one, going on great international adventures as well as great domestic adventures. I love that. Well, you always you always can turn on a dime, Patrick, and that's something that I've always admired about you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories on speaking of travel, and we look forward to a new 2021. Absolutely. And Marilyn, and Marilyn me, and you, me and you need to plan another uh, great adventure somewhere sometime soon. You're a good travel mate. Well, thank you, Patrick. Let's start looking into that sooner than later. Coming up next is my guest, Kay Bentley. She's the owner of the Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. To update us and give us an idea of where people are looking now for travel information that they can trust. Stay tuned. best way to feel the love is to share it. That's why Subaru created the Subaru Share the Love event. Over the last 12 years, Subaru has donated over $200 million to charity. This year, we're continuing the tradition. Right now, when you get a new Subaru, Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of charity partners. The ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, or the National Park Foundation. This year, Prestige Subaru welcomes Homeward Bound WNC and the Asheville Humane Society as our hometown charity partners. The Subaru Share the Love event, now through January 4th at Prestige Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. As we come to the home stretch of 2020, more and more people are looking at 2021 being their bounce back year. They imagine the new year is a time to begin traveling again and feeling okay about it. So what are people looking for when they travel now? For Kay Bentley, founder of Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, her passion for history and bringing people together ultimately led her to discover the perfect business idea. 
And like so many small business owners, Kay has found creative ways for staying connected to her customers to keep them aware of changes to her daily business operations. And Kay, thank you so much for being here on Speaking of Travel. Thank you, Marilyn. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, Kay, travelers are really paying closer attention than ever to local businesses these days. And looking at those businesses that have been providing safety and travel experiences more than ever before. What have you seen in your business that would, uh, that would be able to demonstrate how your, your customers are looking for trusted advice on, on how to travel safely? One of the things that we have been seeing is, um, you know, we are receiving some emails, even though we have information on our website, um, you know, about what we're doing for COVID safety at this time. You know, we're receiving emails and phone calls with people touching base with us about that, just to confirm and verify that. They're also asking us about how Asheville is doing in general with COVID safety. And, um, you know, while they're on the tour with us, you know, they're also asking us about other businesses and places that, you know, we would feel comfortable going, who else is doing a good job, you know, in the community, providing different levels and the ultimate level, um, honestly, of COVID safety. And that's what they're looking for. They want to do things and they want to do it in a safe manner. And that's really coming through loud and clear. And a big part of of feeling that trust, I think, in the travel and tourism industry is being a part of something bigger than yourself. Like you said, you're able to give uh, trusted information to your customers. Being a member of RomanticAsheville.com, for instance, a partnership with other travel and tourism industry partners, how does that help you become a stronger business, being a part of something that is bigger than you. Right. I think that people are looking for leaders in, you know, the profession right now, the, the trusted names that are out there. Definitely Romantic Asheville is one of those. Um, so I think anytime as a small business, you can align yourself with people that have, you know, this exceptional reputation, um, you know, that definitely put you in a better light with your customers. And also, you know, as a business owner, it also makes you, you know, up your game as well. You know, you want to be at the top of your game to be there as well. And so, you know, I think those partnerships now um, stronger than ever. And it's also a time to really develop those if you haven't, you know, tried to try to reach out and do that. So when your customers come, they're, they're going on a rooftop tour with you rooftop bar tours so that you're connecting with the hotels where a lot of these rooftop bars are located with the the people who are working up there. How are you as a business maintaining that level of safety for your customers? We're following all CDC um, sanitation and cleaning guidelines. You know, we are, um, you know, limiting our tours to one a day. We put out there, I mean, we all have hand sanitizer. We share that, um, you know, our, our van, um, it's a short transport between each rooftop bar and where our driver is wiping the van down in between stops, all the high touch surfaces. We sanitize it afterwards. All guests are required to wear masks and we are very uh, strict about that. 
And, um, you know, the other thing, we meet people wherever they are. I mean, you can kind of read if you have six people and two people are kind of maybe standing a little standoffish, I will approach them and say, you know, if you if you want to sit separately, we'll be in the same area. If you don't want to sit at a table, you know, with four people or six people, that's fine. And, you know, and I recommend to people if you are more comfortable, you know, writing the four floors up or the six floor up, six floors up, um, and you want to take an elevator by yourself as opposed to four of us, that's fine. So we're being very flexible and we want people to feel comfortable and safe. And really what you're doing is connecting people to this place. And that's a big part of, of your story too, that you have this opportunity to provide people with the knowledge of uh, the history of Asheville, an experience that's really enriching their lives. And have you found that people are, are seeking that out, especially now more than ever? I do. I do feel that they are. I feel like they are looking for connection. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, that we haven't been out very much to see people in person, but also people that visit Asheville, you know, they come here for a reason, you know, they, they've heard of it or they have an interest in it. And, um, you know, whenever we can share that history and tell them about our community and tell them not only what was going on back in the 1800s, but we stay very current on what's going on now. So we can tell them any type of new business that's opening, or we can point out businesses that are opening. Um, you know, they ask our favorites and we'll be happy to share our, you know, opinions there. But, um, you know, we really like for them to understand our community and um, they walk away just, the, you know, the people we had last night, they said, you know, we're in town for four days. We're really glad we took your tour the first day because we really understand Asheville now. We always point out the landmarks to look for so that you know where you are in the city. And they really appreciate that, appreciate that as well. That's really great because uh, there is so much to see and do and, and being able to get on a tour like yours. I like that idea of doing it first thing so that you can really get an overview. Do you find that travel is a little more regional these days? That's what we're seeing. And, um, you know, based on some of the other, um, you know, tour companies that I've, I've talked with, um, it seems like things that are within a four to six, eight hour drive. Um, that's what we're seeing a lot more of right now. And so or a very short plane ride. That's that's what people are looking for. And uh, it's nice to hear them, you know, talk about coming in to Western North Carolina and seeing the Blue Ridge Mountains for the first time when maybe, you know, they wouldn't have taken that trip by car before. So, um, you know, it makes me really proud of the fact that they're experiencing even more than if they had traveled a different way, possibly. Well, what do you what do you forecast, Kay, for for 2021? I, I do think, um, you know, I'm thinking maybe in the spring it's going to still be a little bit slower, but people are really, um, we've had people booking um, tours into July of next year. And I love that because to me, that's the planners. It's like, yes, I'm with you on that. But people are, are looking and they, they are definitely, um, you know, they're planning what they're going to do when they feel that things, you know, the vaccine or whatever is going to be coming our way. You know, when the numbers start going down, then I definitely think, um, you know, that we are going to re- see a resurgence of people definitely wanting to travel and people have put off their plans for 2020. 
So I think 2021 has the potential to be a pretty amazing year. Well, how can people get more information about Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours? Um, They can visit our website, which is AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. And we're also on all the social media platforms. So you can find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're on Pinterest. And um, we're also on TripAdvisor and on Google. Well, Kay, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel and, and giving us an update on what you're seeing, even though you're the rooftop bar tours, what you're seeing on the ground floor these days. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. With the end of the year sneaking up, more and more people are weighing travel plans to join friends and family for the holidays against the backdrop of COVID. The Asheville Regional Airport is committed to your health and well-being. And coming up is Tina Kinsey of the Asheville Regional Airport with some simple tips to help keep your sanity intact during the busy holiday travel season. We'll be right back. Are you ready to plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. Fall is here, making this the perfect time to explore all the many safe and memorable adventures found across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. I think I speak for many of us when I say we will all be relieved when 2020 comes to an end and we begin a new year with many new journeys. And with the end of the year coming to a close, there certainly are a lot of people considering making plans to join friends and family for the holidays. And although the CDC advises extreme caution when traveling for the holidays, if you do make your choice to travel by air, it's definitely worth checking with the airports and airlines to see what safety precautions and protocols they have in place and how strictly they're enforcing them. The good news is recent studies have shown the risk of exposure to COVID on a plane is lower than at a grocery store or at an indoor restaurant. Well, the Asheville Regional Airport is committed to your health, and I'm joined here with Tina Kinsey, Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport, to provide some tips for healthy travel and to help guide our decisions about holiday travel in 2020. And Tina, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel today. Marilyn, it's always really great to be here. Thank you. So, Tina, there's been a lot of dialogue, obviously, about whether people should travel right now at the end of the year with a lot of holidays coming up. Should people travel by air? What do you think? You're right there at the airport. You see a lot of people coming in and out. What is your take on that? 
Well, I think uh, it's important to note that we honor the recommendations made by the CDC and, and have worked all these many months to implement all of the safety measures um, in the airport and our airline partners have implemented many safety measures. And regardless of you know, what people decide to do, we are ready. And we do know that there are always people who have to travel for various reasons. Um, And that includes during this holiday period of time. And so we're ready for anyone who needs to come to the airport and get on an airplane. And I know that you've been taking extra precautions to minimize the risk of being a spreading place What are you doing to minimize that risk, Tina? Well, when you come into the airport, you will see that we have many reminders uh, for all of our guests, and that includes signage to remind you to keep your distance. Um, We encourage to follow the three W's, which is something that's happening throughout the state of North Carolina, Um, and the W's stand for weight, and that's weight six feet apart whenever possible, wear, wear your mask. Um, And during this holiday season time, we've even, um, we're even saying wear, wear that mask, even around friends and family who are not in your immediate household. Um, And then wash, wash your hands often. If you don't have access to soap and water, use hand sanitizer and make sure that you use the hand sanitizer or wash your hands before you ever touch your eyes, nose, or mouth, you know, your face area or your mask. So those are some some good reminders. We have um, acrylic shields on all of our customer-facing counters um, in the airport, and that's to protect customers and our team members, um, you know, who are interacting with customers. Um, we're encouraging everyone to use t- touchless technology. And again, all of these reminders are there. And then we also have enhanced cleaning procedures at the airport. It's just become routine at this point. Uh, It's part of our ongoing routine to frequently clean high-touch areas. And we do that in multiple ways, including using electrostatic sprayers uh, that allow us to disinfect large surfaces in a very efficient manner, you know, and we're, we're also rolling in a little bit of messaging. Um, We're going to send out an e-newsletter where we're encouraging everyone to take a moment to remember to be kind to each other, um, especially to those who are working to help to provide a safe and healthy travel experience. You know, that includes so many of my team members, um, our housekeepers, the gate agents, restaurant workers, our public safety team, uh, the rental car agents, flight crews, you know, all these people who are out there working hard to make that travel journey as safe as possible because we know there are many people who are going to need to get on airplanes. Well, I want to give a big shout out to your team over there, Tina, because they have been working so hard from, well, this whole year has just thrown everybody off course a little bit. And and yet your team has risen to the occasion even harder than ever. And I want people to know how they can sign up for that newsletter. How can people get more information? Sure. So uh, easy to find us online. We have a website and it is at flyavl.com. And 
we the name of our e-newsletter is called Window Seat. And right on our homepage, if you scroll to the bottom, there's a very easy spot there to just pop your email in and you are signed up for that newsletter. That's great. And when you're there at your website, people can get information directly from the airlines as well. Is that right? Absolutely. We try to make it a easy place to stop to get any information you might need about how to travel to and from Asheville Regional Airport. Well, Tina, what would you say to anybody listening right now who is thinking about, well, maybe I will uh, make some plans for the holidays, book a flight. What would you say to them as they prepare to, to make their journey? Well, if someone needs to travel this holiday season, I would say check out your origin market airport and your destination market airport. Go to the websites, see what measures are in place for um, safe travel. You might also want to look at your destination market and see if there are any travel restrictions or requirements of people who might be traveling to that particular location. But again, um, you know, we follow CDC guidelines and we encourage anyone who is out in the world traveling to follow those CDC guidelines as well. So, you know, visit that website, take a look at the recommendations, and I think we can all do our part. I think so, too. I think we we can be responsible and uh, remember those three W's. Remind us what those are again. Sure. Wait six feet apart, wear your mask, and wash your hands often. Well, it seems easy enough. I think we just have to get that through our heads that this is our responsibility. You're rising to the occasion to ensure that you're taking the responsibility and taking the extra precautions. And and we want to thank you for that because I know when I'm ready, you're ready. And tell us again how we can get more information, Tina. Sure. Visit us at flyavl.com. We are also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and multiple other places. Well, thank you so much, Tina, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday and and stay well and stay safe, and we'll look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thanks, Marilyn. Well, thanks, Tina, again, and thanks to Patrick and Kay for joining us today on Speaking of Travel. I've been thinking a lot lately about time, and one of my favorite quotes is by Rick Warren. He's the author of The Purpose Driven Life, What on earth am I here for? Time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. When you give someone your time, you are giving them a portion of your life that you'll never give back. Your time is your life. That is why the greatest gift you can give someone is your time. Being grateful for your time and for all our gifts is a way to appreciate what we have instead of always reaching for something new in the hopes that it will make us happier. Giving thanks and being grateful helps us refocus on what we have instead of what we don't have. And maybe it'll feel contrived at first, but this mental state grows stronger with use and with practice. So this week... Why not write a thank you note? Thank somebody for something, anything that they've done to make your life happier. You can thank someone mentally. Maybe you don't have time to write. Maybe it'll help just to think about someone who has done something nice for you. 
Keep a gratitude journal. Make it a habit to write down or share with us about the gifts that you've received every day. And meditate. Take some time to just be quiet. This is a time when we all need to reflect on what's happening and and have hope for the future. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Joy.